You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lou and Markel. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Peasley. And it's my birthday, Beach. <laughs> and it is Lewin's birthday. Lewin's birthday. Beach. It's yes, it's me. It's my day. So just a quick little peek behind the curtain. We all we every week we have a very narrow window of time in which we can record an episode. Yeah, like just just being honest here. <laughs> <laughs> um and which is why lately there's been issues, but... Yeah, because it's like if one thing goes wrong and disrupts that window, like, it's gone. Yeah, yeah but... If we can't get it fixed within a certain amount of time, it's, it's gone. It's yeah. shot. Too bad. So sad. But, um, so with that in mind, because of the way our our window falls, we have known for quite some time that we were going to be recording on Lewin's birthday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it is actually my actual birthday right now. It won't be when this goes up, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can still, you can still go and wish me a happy late birthday and uh, send all your gifts to P.O. Box. No, I, I, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't do that. We, do I, we don't have, have a P.O. Box. We do not have a P.O. Box. And send I, all your gifts to your own bank account and or uh, D&D table. Yeah. Yes. That, that's how you can celebrate. Just exactly. play there D&D in Loon's honor. Yes. Uh, that sounds good. Yes. <laughs> that's that's what I want. That's what I want for my birthday is for everyone to have a good time and be happy and for this year to be over. But also... Because <laughs> it's halfway fucking over now. But also flood our Twitter with happy birthday wishes to Lewin. Yes. While also simultaneously pressure, pressuring her oh my into gosh. I probably, the unboxing video. I probably... Oh. Is, there, is there a chance that when this goes up that that will be live? Yeah, probably. Okay. Uh, probably. I'm if it's su- not, you know what to do. You know I'm su- to do. I'm succumbing to the peer pressure. It, it's happening, you guys. Hey. You have done it. Hey, it's my birthday. Be nice to me. <laughs> it no. is your birthday. And for your birthday. Uh-huh. What'd you get me? Uh, Myconids. What? <laughs> we know how much you love mushrooms. Good. Oh. Are- yeah. Oh, those are those guys? Those are those guys. So, this week. Listen. I bring you the lovely history behind myconids, which are basically walking toadstools. Huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are they? Okay. They're they're mushrooms. They're mushrooms. Are they? Are they magic? Um. Some of them. Ooh. Well, Ooh. I mean, I guess that's that kind my, of depends on your definition. I mean, to that's be fair, my like, favorite kind of mushroom. And the broadest, nice. And my, the, <laughs> my second favorite is portobello's. In the broadest sense of the term, like, isn't any, like, living sentient thing that's not typically living and sentient magical? I mean, no. No? I'm going to say yes. Hmm. I'm going to say yes to that one. But anyway. In, in, in any case, I just wanted to make a magic mushroom joke. I'm sorry. It's okay. Well. <laughs> I didn't mean to open the door to you, that. You uh, were not terribly far off. Okay. 
So, Mykonids, I actually didn't find this topic originally. That would be Taylor. Yay, Yay. it me. Who found it during her demon research and told me about it, and then I expanded on the research. Are they demons? They are not demons. Okay. Uh, They're related. You'll see. I I know a little bit about this just because of the fact that I'm like, hey, look at this really cool thing that I found while doing demon research. And that immediately made me be like, ooh. What other things can I find about this? Mm -hmm. Uh, The answer is like seven pages worth of notes. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're going to jump back to the first appearance of them, which was in the Monster Manual 2 in 1983 for first edition. Okay. Uh, In this, they are described as resembling walking toadstools Mm -hmm. in humanoid form. So they're humanoid-ish. Ish. Their yeah. flesh is usually like a bloated and spongy <laughs> variant of color between like purple to gray. Okay. Doesn't so, it sound so pretty? I See, you know, I was like, I was with it. And then the word like bloated. And I was like, uh. Yeah, the, uh, the word bloated in there. I was like, that's interesting. But okay. It just never, it never sounds good. It's not no. a good sounding no, word. No, it, 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 it's very evocative for sure, though. Yeah. Yeah. And this is to say that their general form doesn't actually change a whole lot throughout the editions. They're always this humanoid, mushroom-like thing. Form. Yeah, gotcha. Their color does kind of vary, like, intermittently in between, but they're all basically this weird... Mushroom people. Mushroom, mushroom people. people. Um, their hands are pudgy and have <laughs> two stubby fingers and a thumb on each hand, so they have, like, three appendages to grab oh, with. Oh, they're like uh, Turians and Quarians. Yeah. <laughs> Mass Effect references sure. for you all. Um, every part of their body, except for their hands, oozes this substance that is poisonous to, it said animal flesh, and this refers to pretty much anything other than them. So fauna instead of flora. Pretty yeah. much. So, like, this would also mm. include humans, for yeah. example. So if you, except their hands. Yeah, except for their hands. Their hands do not excrete this weird, oozy, poisonous substance, but the rest of them do. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like, if you touch them, it burns you. Cool. Okay. It gives you damage. Yeah. So you take 1D whatever acid. acid. Yeah. Poison? I think in this case they consider it poison damage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just because it's labeled as a poisonous mm-hmm. substance, but it's... Makes sense. Okay, I have to... Is it poisonous or venomous? It is poisonous. Okay. Okay. It's poisonous acid. Okay. And that's that's the words <laughs> the monster manual uses, so... Yes. Okay. Um, in general, they live deep underground, also known as the Underdark. Yeah. Yeah. And they prefer anywhere that conditions are suitable for any fungi to grow. Nice. Because they're fungi. They're fungi. They're mm-hmm. fun guys. <laughs> they they are. Yeah. Also, I Googled it. That would technically be poison. Okay. So, so nobody poisons. nobody no biologists don't like don't come for us, please. Their alignment <laughs> is lawful neutral. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I mean they're they are very neutral, honestly. They well, you you know what? Good for them. I I I was I'm very with it. Yeah. They never venture outside, and they have this like deathly fear of direct sunlight. Same. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, it does say that the exact effects of direct sunlight on a myconid are unknown in oh. this particular book. But they preface all this with, it must be detrimental since their fear is so great. My thought is that they're such a subterranean race that they, it, they it burns even... their eyes or something like that. Well, it yeah. would probably like burn their eyes or maybe exposure too long would kill them, like maybe dry them up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mushrooms are very watery. Yeah, yeah. They And, you know, they grow in like... Like under damp, sh- yeah, damp, like under shade, yeah, and, and what yeah. have you. I do think the possibility that it's maybe actually not <clears throat> that bad for them. It's just kind of like a culturally ingrained fear in them. That's interesting to me. Th- that that is intriguing. But yeah, also because yes. it, you know because you would think that it would be given in a stat block that's like they take this, this, and this from direct sunlight. But instead, it's just like we they, don't know. They, they don't. They don't. We just they don't, don't like know. it. Yeah, they're just scared of it. Which I mean, to be fair, if I lived underground for generations and generations, I'd be scared of the sun too. Like, there's a giant ball of fire in the sky. What the fuck? No, that's not gonna go. That. <laughs> nah, that's got to be bad. So they are a very peaceful race. That nice. They desire only to work and meld in peace. Okay, the first <laughs> one, I don't. I don't vibe with the second one. I'm not sure if I vibe with. <laughs> I'll stop the world and meld with you. Well, uh, I <laughs> I don't know if that's even what it is, but it sounded sexual to me. I will go over what exactly melding is oh, here in uh, just a just a bit. Please do. So it's not time for an ad break yet. <laughs> if they are forced to defend themselves, they will generally avoid killing whatever they're fighting Aww. if they can. They will pretty much just try to knock unconscious and then either like capture and release later or like drag them somewhere far away <laughs> until before they wake before up. Before they yeah. wake up. So <laughs> they're just like, we're not going to kill you, but go away. So Please go away. You could say they're friendly mushrooms. They are mushy friendly giant mushrooms. Friends. Yeah, they're mushy giant friends. <laughs> yes. Um, it, uh, it says that violence adversely affects their meld hallucinations. Oh, there's hallucinations. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> great. I was I was hoping. I was hoping for hallucinations. I was hoping for hallucinations to make yeah. their way into the Mushroom People episode. So between them and other humanoids of the Underdark, peace has never been met because both sides view the other one as just like a disgusting threat. Yeah, because I could understand why their kind of ideals of like peace would not meld with the drow's idea of world domination of, of everything that the drow do. Yeah. <laughs> and I can understand why the 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 drow probably and you know, then there's like the abelas and the illicit down there too and who knows what they're fucking doing. Almost everything in the underdark is adversely opposed to yeah. each other. So they just view all the other races as disgusting Terrible, worse, like and less than. And the other races view them as the disgusting. Same way, just yeah. in different ways. It, it, it's horrible all the way down to the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Their society is based on an extremely tight social group that they call circles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like druids. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the circles are linked by work and melding sessions. <laughs> God. A circle okay. usually consists of 20 members. Uh-huh. Four of each hit dice- Size like one through five, basically. So, like, the younger ones are hit dice of one, and then the oldest are five, yeah, five, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. gotcha, gotcha. 
Um, as they grow, they continue to gain height and weight, mm-hmm. gaining two feet of height with each hit die. So okay. one hit die myconids are two feet, and then... Fives are ten. Fives are ten, and there is one hit die okay. above five that is a six hit die, which is called the king, and he stands twelve feet tall. Ooh. Big boy. Their days are structured rigidly around eight hours of rest, followed by eight hours of work, which their work consists of farming fungus and, well, mostly just like fungus crops. Is that weird for them? Like, Uh, is that weird for them or? No, it's actually not, surprisingly, because, and this is actually not real expanded on until later in other editions, but basically what they do is they grow these fungi crops and then let them decompose uh-huh. and then eat the soil that they've decomposed in. And that's how they get their nutrients because they, they are mushrooms. They they eat decomposition. Yeah. I mean, that's that's fair. Okay. I mean, I just feel like if I had to farm like little guys made out of skin, it'd be weird for me. I mean, <laughs> fair. I give you that. I'm going to assume that the fungi are at least a little bit different than them. I hope it doesn't ever say otherwise but i'm gonna hope and like don't get me wrong this doesn't vibe with me very much but it would to me kind of feel i guess like if you were raising and eating monkeys which like don't get me wrong i don't love and i realize i just said this to a vegetarian yeah like (laughs) well no that was my like initial thought and then i was like you know okay but you know also It, it doesn't vibe with me but it's also like not blatantly cannibalism yeah, I guess you know I hadn't even thought about cannibalism. But oh, anyway. I thought that I thought that was the main issue. No, it's just kind of like uh, well, it's like the whole thing with like um, Goofy and Pluto. <laughs> like, where's the line? You know what I mean? Sentience. Well, yeah. I was asking rhetorically, Taylor. Anyway, I, I, I'm sorry. Anyway. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> so you have the eight hours of rest, then the eight hours of farming their fungus crops or other necessary work whatever that they do needs to yeah. be done. And then they have eight hours of melding, which melding is what the fungoids is what they're called. Uh They are fungoids. Uh They all gather in a tight circle. Uh The elder members will then release two different types of spores. Uh You Uh have a rapport spore. Uh And then they release hallucinator spores. So it's a circle of spores. A... Yes. Okay. And then the circle will then merge into a collective telepathic hallucination for the next eight hours. Oh, God. They consider this to be entertainment, worship, and social interaction all combined. Sounds super like, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Like, good time management skills. Yeah, it's efficient. Yeah. Efficient. I mean, it's you. eight hours of grand hallucination. Um, I mean, that sounds like... I mean, what's so special about it? That sounds like what a lot of people do in their free time. <laughs> so, like, cool. Also, I thought it was going to go in a different direction. I thought a it was going to sexier direction, like a shunting direction. No. <laughs> so that's pretty much what their melding is. Is it's just a big circle of all of them telepathically hallucinating this giant hallucinatory dream. I feel like they should have picked a different word. <laughs> I just feel like that's. I don't know. I like it. I mean, I like it, but I just I just feel like it's suggestive of something else. So d- 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 is there a particular, like, usual 
thing that happens in this hallucinatory dream, or is it just kind of like, whatever? It never specifies, so I'm gonna assume it's just kind of a whatever Okay, like, it's it's not described as being, like, their god comes down and speaks to them. So, I will say I did get kind of, because, like... It mentioned that, like, violence ruins their hallucinations. Yes. So I imagine that um, it's kind of, like, uh, at least directly inspired by, like, their memories and the events that they've seen. Oh, Probably. yeah. Probably. Oh, kind of like, um, like, Abeleth's, um, like, living, living Like the living thing. memories. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It, it, pretty much that. I like, I like that interpretation. So the way that they fight, they just curl up their fingers, basically, and they use their fists as, like, clubbing, like, <laughs> attacks. Yeah. They mm-hmm. also have the ability to spew cloud spores, mm-hmm. basically, or clouds of spores, depending yeah, yeah. on which term you really want to use. But there are six different types of spores, and they're all, like, specialized. Mm-hmm. And depending on what age they are or in this case what hit die they are mm-hmm. they'll have the ability to use different the higher, the higher level ones right gotcha gotcha so starting off with like the first one that they all learn is distress mm-hmm. they're distress spores that they'll shoot out when they're distressed being attacked or if there's any any, any immediate danger mm-hmm and it expands at a rate of 40 feet per round, and it's up to 120 feet, and it pretty much does what you would expect. It alerts other myconids mm-hmm. that this one or this group over here needs help. Yeah. Right. It's like um, like like bees. Yeah. yeah bees do that, right? It's their defense yeah. yes. thing. Yes. Right? Yes. Some kind of, some kind of insects do it. Some kinds of insects do it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's bees. Bees? bees? I think it's Question bees. mark? I know grass does it. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, That's that when freshly cut grass smell. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's the grass <laughs> screaming in despair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have reproducer spores. <laughs> oh, boy, here we which go. Which are spores that are only emitted at proper time for growing proper new time. myconids. Proper time. <laughs> this allows for proper control of their population. Uh-huh. So they control their population to, like, an extreme degree. Oh, kind of like the, uh, the Sahuagan a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Except it's um less violent, less eating each other. It, yeah, it, it's less like fighting for resources and more just birth control. Yeah, um, they're also birth control, if you will, automatically ejected by dying myconids. Ejected, yeah. So like when one dies, they release the reprodu- okay. reproducer spores that can then grow another one. Okay. To replace the one that just died. Oh, so it's like a th- there are then baby myconids that come from this cloud of spores. Yes. It's not like an I'm horny cloud. No, it's they literally it grow their own. <laughs> I thought it was like a pheromone. Like, hey, hey, no. come fuck this. Someone come fuck this. No, it's literally spores that will like settle and then grow new myconids. So they nope. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, rapport spores, which okay. other than being used in the melting process, mm-hmm. can be used to communicate with other species of myconids because, well, not just myconids, to communicate with other species in general because myconids have no spoken language. Oh, yeah. They do not speak. Do they have mouths? No. 
Do they just like sit their butts in the dirt? And they just... communicate telepathically with each other. Oh, and then they just and then like these sit their horse spores they use to communicate with other species. How does that work? Uh, basically, it's the cloud spores will shoot out at whatever creature they're targeting. Mm-hmm. And if the creature decides to fight against it, they have to roll a check. Mm-hmm. And if they fail it, then it- they can telepathically communicate with the myconid. Oh, so it's like a it's like a it's like a <clears throat> barrow haze but for telepathy. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And its duration depends on the the myconid. level of hit die of the myconid that yeah, uses it. Yeah, precisely. So, so this is also what they release during their um orgies, excuse me, melding <laughs> sessions. Yes. Alongside their hallucinogenic spores. Because I'm guessing the rapport spores helps to increase their telepathic powers so they can all be together in that be in one mind okay yeah, gotcha. that makes sense they have <laughs> pacifier spores Ooh. which when used they cause the creature to become completely passive and unable to do anything at all wow other than just observe even if they get attacked they still can't do anything that is damn powerful <laughs> Uh, same basic principle, depending on the level of hit die, depends on, like, the duration. I mean, and I'm assuming you get saves against this kind of shit. Um, I think so. (laughs) (laughs) I would hope so, because if not, like, pacifier spores, pacifier spores OP, please nerf. Uh, yeah, you do get saves against them, it's just first edition saves are weird. Weird. Yeah, and and sometimes I I think in some instances they forgot to, like, write that in. (laughs) And then they were like, oh shit, we have to yeah. fix that. Yeah. You have the... Albert hugs. <laughs> Albert hugs. Oh my god. You have the hallucinator spores, mm-hmm. which, other than the melding thing, can affect other creatures that are not myconids, and it's used basically to make that creature suffer violent hallucinations. Oh. <sighs> for a number of turns equal to the hit die of the myconid using it. The affected creature will react in one of four ways, mm-hmm. using a d20. Gotcha. Uh, you have 1 through 10, which is cower whimpering. Cool. 11 through 15, which is just stare into nothingness. Mm-hmm. 16 to 18, they flee, shrieking in a random direction. Gotcha. And 19 to 20, attack the closest creature until they're dead or they're done hallucinating. See... My thought was that maybe, like, I just imagined a scenario where there's, like, a myconid in, like, a party of adventurers, mm-hmm. and, um, like, one of the, like, the human, or, or not, not, like, non-myconid party members is like, hey, hey, Dave, can you, can you do the thing? And then the myconid's just like, <sighs> and they just, like, release like, a bunch of hallucinogenic spores oh, so their God. friend can get high. That was my first thought. <clears throat> oh, no. man, that's great. Because it causes violent hallucinations, not good ones. Well, then the party barbarian. Then they can just have their violent they hallucinations. They can just rage and They can just go. rage and not actually hurt anybody. <laughs> but, you know, may- I mean, maybe the myconid could, like, make it nice for somebody else, you know? Like, maybe they could control that a little bit. I mean, maybe. You, you could probably... Because I mean, like, they, add that in yourself if you really wanted to. Because I mean, they they release these hallucinogenic spores when they meld, so it's like so like they have some control over like if it's good or bad. Yeah. Well, they really don't because the hallucinogenic spores affect myconids in only a positive way. Oh, 
yeah. okay. It only affects them in a positive way. Other creatures, it affects negatively. Unless oh. uh, they've been exposed to violence. And then it can it can detract yeah, then from it there. Can. Okay, yeah. I, I just really want someone <laughs> to have a mic and a friend and be like, hey, hit me. And my, honestly, out of this entire list, this is my favorite type of spore. Only the king can use it. Mm-hmm. And it's called animator spores. <gasps> oh, I think I know where this is going. So the spores can be used to infect a dead person or animal. Mm-hmm. A purple mm-hmm. fungus will cover the corpse mm-hmm. and slowly take over the body and the body system and then puts that body back to work, basically reanimating it. Mm-hmm. Um, it yep. resembles a zombie and mm-hmm. kind of acts like a zombie, but they're not considered to be undead, so you can't use... Turn undead or anything of the oh, sort. Oh, smart. Man, The Last of Us 3 is weird. <laughs> <laughs> they are slower than they were in life, and they always would act last in combat. Mm-hmm. The body continues to decay, and then the purple fungus will Shit. gradually replace like missing parts <gasps> and become specialized to take over that part's function. <gasps> That's but really cool. Eventually, the decay proceeds too far and too fast for the fungus to keep up, and the body will eventually stop functioning and just fail. fail. Usually, the animation takes one to four days to actually... Fall apart? Well, no, to infect after... Well, to, like, work after the initial infection. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the infection can last for two to five weeks before it decays completely. Okay. And that's how you get Parasect. Hmm. 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 Um, like I said earlier, the king is always, like, the largest member, mm-hmm. and there's only ever one, one at a time. There's never more than one. Mm-hmm. And they are the only ones that are not actively a part of a circle. Aw. Because they have to remain impartial to uh, everything. Oh, yeah. So they cannot become a part of a circle. Yeah. Sad. Um, Mike and it's actually regards separation from a circle to be, like, horrible. Mm-hmm. And they pity the king because the king is, like, lonely. Aww. Leadership roles mm. are thought to be, like, very unpleasant to Myconids because of that fact. Yeah. And they almost considered a, like, condemnation. Oh, that's interesting. But hmm. despite all of this, when the king dies, the strongest of the five hit die Myconid will always assume the role of the new king. It's kind of like Primus. You you like you just you have to. That's just the way it works. There's like there's not a choice. Like, yeah, like somebody's always moving up. Be, because they have uh <clears throat> such a strong um group first mentality. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh the king also is the one that provides like defenses by animating guardians for the colony. Okay. Ooh. So that way the Myconids don't have to actually commit violence. Wow, that does kind of suck for for the king. They also practice fungal alchemy, Mm -hmm. which allows them to brew special potions that are useful in a time of trouble. And that is actually expanded later on. There was no further expansion of what potions they make. Mm -hmm. But that's just kind of like them in first edition. That's their first... Like, ex- the... ex- experience. Yeah. Or yeah. experience. The, the, you know, D&D's first experience with Mike and Ed's. Yeah. Yeah. Addition. There we go. And they didn't really appear in anything else until about 
Damn. Wow. Uh, coming back in Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition, or Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd Edition, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the Monster Mythology book. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, this didn't offer a whole lot of like new changes to them specifically mm-hmm. because they just kind of kept everything more or less the same. Yeah, right. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. A few things that they did add was the patron deity of the Myconid, mm-hmm. whose name is Silifer. Cool. Um, is he a big mushroom? Well, kind of. Uh-huh. So he is a meditator deity that dwells in Nirvana. Meditator or mediator? Meditator. Okay. I hate to be like... Yeah, no, I understand. You know, like like furries of hell again. Yeah. But no. <laughs> I often read the word mediator as meditator, so... Yeah, it actually said meditator deity because he's very... Meditative? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he lives in Nirvana. Oh, He God, is also a teach god. Huh? <laughs> he basically Ditto. doesn't do a whole lot of anything other than, like, teaching... Oh, okay. Stuff. He's so. he's less of a... He's uh, a very laid-back god. He's more... Yeah, he's not like a, a ruler type, like, I'm gonna yeah exert my will on, on all these yeah. people and mushrooms. He's more like a, let's just hang out, get in a circle and read books and sing Kumbaya kind of god. Yeah. Gotcha. He was the one who taught the very first Myconids the secrets of potion making. Ooh. Uh, through what it said, direct revelation. You just woke hmm. up one day and you knew how to how to make potions. I'm guessing. I, I mean, that's all. I've that's all I got. Yeah. yeah, that's all I'm taking from that. <clears throat> he is often depicted as a type of fungal world tree. <gasps> Ooh. Uh, his my okay. I think I'm pronouncing this right. Mycelia. That sounds right. Which is the? Um, I think that's right. Yeah. Like I'm gonna have to look up the definition again because it's been a minute. Uh, the mycelia is the vegetative part of a fungus, which is, yeah. like, the one that consists of all the, like, filaments and, like, the vine-like the, okay, yeah. the things that, like, spread downward. That you eat. Kind of like the roots. Kind of like the roots, yeah. Oh, yeah. So his uh, mycelia reaches down through the plains into the home of the myconid king. It's pretty much how he's depicted. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. cool. Yeah, oh. I like that. Hmm. <laughs> His only concerns are the protection of the Myconid race and the pursuit of perfection through meditation. Okay, yeah. big Nirvana vibes. Yeah. He is the one that hand... Well, not he is the one, sorry. He handpicks about one out of every 20 Myconid king to become a priest Ooh, and will always guide the Myconids in their selection of a new king through intuitive guidance. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So one out of every 20 kings will be a priest and be able to directly communicate with him. Cool. With more that. or less. Mm-hmm. And there are only in, like, very rare cases where he will actually send an avatar to commune with the Myconid king. This is usually if a community is, like, greatly threatened by an enemy or an event. Yeah. Okay. Like, disease or... Whatever. Something. What have you. His avatar usually appears as a gigantic Myconid with a vast mycelium complex drifting behind him. Oh, that's so cool. Fuck. As he travels by levitation... Just above the ground. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so extra. He's usually blue-gray in color. He can change color to match his environment or his moods. 
He can use spells from all spheres of mm-hmm. knowledge. knowledge and all schools. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. And any king that communes with him, he grants the ability to have the same spell casting ability as he does oh, for that's intense. 1d4 days. That's intense. Oh. So the king will be able to mimic all of the spells that that their god does. Which are all, all of, of them. them. So do people who aren't Mike and worship him? Because like, I you're, you're down? I mean, yeah, I'm down. I didn't ever find anything that said as much. Mm-hmm. So... Probably not, but I mean, you can you know. always add that in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just roll just, up and be like, are y'all interested in converts? <laughs> I want to be a mushroom. I want to be a mushroom. Make me a mushroom. So in the Monstrous Manual for second edition back in 1995, they appeared again. Yay. Again, not a whole lot of changes. You still have the lawful neutral alignment or mm-hmm. in my case and my typing, the lawful Neutral alignment, apparently. Because <laughs> they're mushrooms. <laughs> I didn't mean for that to happen, but hey, I like it. Sometimes it'd be that way. Um, it describes them now as living in like the most remote reaches of the Underdark because they prefer to stay as far away from any other anyone else community as possible. As possible. Yeah. Man, everything lives in the most remote reaches of the Underdark. Yeah, where, where are the p- most populous regions? I guess uh, that's just all the drow. Oh, but like everybody yeah. else is literally like like the deep dragons, the abolettes, I'm the gonna stay away from Yeah, all of them. I was gonna say, <laughs> to be fair, if my neighbors were the drow, I would probably stay as far away from them as possible. That's fucking fair. <laughs> yep. Um they're, you know, still these very cautious creatures who deploy violence. Yeah. They just prefer to be left alone. Mm-hmm. It did actually describe their feet a little bit in this one. Mm-hmm. Where their feet have vestigial toes. <laughs> that's, that, that's all it said. Amazing. <laughs> I'm so glad someone decided to give them toes. Why? Why? I don't know. Evolution? I mean, yeah, but that's that's fair. But, like, at what point did they need toes that they then became vestigial? I, I don't someone know. Someone has special feelings about toes is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't so- want to talk about it. I'm sorry. They still have, like, you know, no spoken language. They possess the same spore cloud abilities, but there is a slight change in the way animator spores work. Mm-hmm. Which is more or less just a very minor change. Instead of being animated for two to five weeks, the bodies are animated for 1d4 plus one week. Okay. Okay, so so it's in essence two to five weeks. Yeah, it's in essence two to five weeks. It's just worded differently, and now has the possibility to that you actually roll for it. Instead yeah, of just like I need this zombie to die right before this thing happens. Yeah, it's just a very minor change, and it's mostly just in the wording. But yeah, it was still there. It's a change. Yeah, they still deathly fear the sunlight. Mm-hmm. Their structured hours are still the same. Good for them. Sleep, farming, melding. Mm-hmm. Sleep, farming, melding. All the time. I need that kind of rigid, <laughs> rigid schedule in my life. Yeah. All day, every day. In this, it says that the Mykonids consider melding to be the reason for their existence. Like, um, in the broad, like, um, or like big world, like, their universal their, thing. Their purpose, yeah. maybe? Yeah. I guess it literally just said that this is the reason for their existence. That's what they believe. 
I mean, I'm going to go with purpose. Yeah, that's what that's what <clears throat> I kind of took away from that is that they they view that as like their purpose. I already said that. Yeah. But yeah. OK. I mean, then that's fair. It also laid down the extra note that distress spores are the only thing that will bring a circle out of its meld before the eight hours is up. OK. So if you come across a group of them and they're melding, you can try everything you want, but they will not snap out of it unless you can release distress spores. Okay. But also, like, if, you know, one of their friends or whatever is being attacked, they won't just, like... Ignore them for, for good hallucinations? Yeah. yeah the like... spores will actually snap them out of it and they'll okay. go to help. That's good. Good for them. Kings are literally just the same. Oh, sad. Yeah. It says that there are no recorded instances of disharmony or any sort of violence or disagreement, like, between Myconids, like... Inner. With each other, yeah. Yeah, so they all remain very... They get along with each other? Yeah, yeah. neutral with their inner species, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like the ability to read each other's, like, minds, like, obvious, mm -hmm. like, you, you end up seeing eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, hey, I mean, you know, I guess you, you become closer as friends after you share hallucinations. Uh, also, too. Yeah. That, too. It did go further into detail about exactly how, like, they view other humanoids and how most humanoids view them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, humanoids view myconids as just ugly monsters. No. No. They just, that's pretty much the gist of it. It's just, they view them as ugly monsters. While myconids view humanoids as a violent, insane species, out to conquer anything in their path, destroy anything they can't conquer, <laughs> then go back down the path to make sure there isn't anything they forgot to destroy or conquer. That sounds about right, yeah. I mean, that's I mean how, they're not wrong. That's how I, a human, view other humans. <laughs> they are not wrong. <laughs> that's even more scathing than just like, humans are just like, yeah, you're ugly. <laughs> and myconids are like, you know what we think of you? You this, don't want to know what we think of you. We have that's, this whole list. That's scathing and detail. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> they find it very difficult to believe humanoids are not going to immediately use violence against them, so they're very reluctant to deal with any of them. Yeah, yeah. fair. Fucking fair. It does say that if they are approached with peace, there is a higher chance of them like communicating and helping out. Though they will still remain suspicious of them the entire time. Fair. Yeah. I don't disagree with the Myconids. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. They're not wrong. And this, it says they prefer to find places near water. Mm -hmm. Like isolated spots near water because of the dampness. That makes yeah. sense. So, um, this is kind of cool, though. They have work details that will sometimes, like, patrol the Underdark. They hmm. go looking for signs of battle or unburied dead. Hmm. If they find any, they'll bring the dead back to the king so the king can animate it and use it as a guardian. Oh, that's fun. That is fun. So they're just recycling. <laughs> <laughs> Be like the Myconids. Yeah. Go green. Their communities are arranged around moss-covered stones now. Aw, that's nice. Uh, the stones are where the Myconid will sit while melding and Aww. where they sleep. Oh, how did they sit? I pictured them standing in a circle, <laughs> like holding hands, you know? That's kind of what I picture. Kumbaya. No, Lord. No. 
I hope they hold hands. I want them to hold hands with each other while they meld. That, Me too. That's sweet. So it specifies now that they feed on water and small fungi and mm-hmm. will always have a large garden area somewhere Aww. set up. <laughs> I like their whole thing. I, w- I just want to go live with some myconids. Me too. Um, the king is, will also get his ingredients for potions from the garden as well, so it kind of just helps everyone. Mm-hmm. Dead myconid kings are buried with honor beneath the mounds, while dead myconids are buried near the gardens. I like it. Yeah. And see, this is where it says they grow fungi, which they then let decay and then feed from the nutrients in the soil. Right. Wait, so if they bury regular myconids near their their garden they're basically eating them yes yeah okay all right just wanted to okay like when they decompose and the soils become enriched from the nutrients and then they yeah there's a little bit of your friend in there yeah (laughs) i mean okay i get what you're saying but i guess i'm not weirded out because it's mushrooms and that's how mushrooms do i mean i'm not weirded out by it either but that's also why they pointing it out that's also why they don't bury the king's by the gardens. So they don't eat the king? They're, yeah. yeah, because they're buried with honor and they don't want to eat them. I mean, I ju- I'm just pointing it <laughs> out. And I mean, yeah, there is something like beautiful and poetic about like, you know, essence and consuming the essence. And like, that's kind of part of why the Sahuagan are so big about it. But like, I'm just pointing it out. Yeah. <laughs> I just want everyone to know it's technically cannibalism. We finally have a lifespan for them. Mm-hmm. Wait, no, hold on, hold on. What? If you were buried in a garden and you fertilized the like garden some, some and I ate the vegetable, are you saying that would be yes. cannibalism? That's not cannibalism. <laughs> I mean, that's not tight. But, okay, maybe that's not cannibalism, but it's weird. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's would weird. You, I'm not going to do- Would you not feel weird about it? I would it? feel weird, but I'm not, a, I'm not a mushroom. And I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to point out that- D- depending on your definition, you might consider that kind of like cannibalism. Moving on. Maybe. Uh, their lifespan is 24 years. That's specific. Oh. It requires four years to grow to each hit die. Guys, if I was a mic in it, I'd be dead. I would too. I would have I- just died. I would be too. I would have just died. The youngest, obviously, being four years. And right. one hit die. And then the oldest is 20 years at five hit die. Minus the king, which requires a special regimen to reach the six hit die level. Hmm. A, a kingly regimen. Yeah. Um, Royal regimen. We have a expanded list of what exact potions the kings can brew. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have the potion of fungus growth, which is used in times of a population shortage, which increases the mic and its hit die by one. Okay. okay. So it's like just an accelerated growth hormone. Hormone, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it can only be used on a myconid once in its lifetime, so you can't like you can't just roll grow into from like one hit die to five. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the potion of fungus healing, which only works on fungi and heals one d six plus one health. Yeah. Okay. The potion of the K which affects a humanoid creature as if it were a dead creature infected with purple fungi spores. Ooh. Ooh. That's not good. Yeah, no. so... For that, they, that creature. They can uh, use that to basically infect a living humanoid and turn them into a fungus zombie thing. Oh, that's how you get parasect. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Excuse me. 
Uh, the victim would roll a saving throw versus poison, dying on a failed save. Oh, God. Woohoo! Woo-wee! And then the purple fungi spores would start taking effect and bring it back to life. I feel like that's a very um, last resort type one. Yeah. I feel like that would not be their first thought to do to somebody. See, now, here's the thing that's a little weird. Because it's specified that a cure disease spell will prevent the victim's death Mm -hmm. if it's cast within three minutes of the infection. Mm -hmm. So I guess it does take time for the infection to kill them. Okay. Which it didn't specify in the actual potion spell, but it kind of like offhandedly gives that three minute range. Yeah, I feel like that's how that would have have to work. Yeah. I mean, I guess like <laughs> you would have to know that that could happen. Someone yeah. just got infected and you would have to use it like almost immediately to n- let them not die. <laughs> just yeah. Im- imagine like your friend gets hit with that and you like use the cure disease spell on them <clears throat> and it's like, "Okay, cool, you cured the fungal infection, but then they just dropped it." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That would fucking suck. Oh, it man. also says a combination of cure disease and the raised dead spell will bring back victims of the fungus disease after 48 hours. Hmm. Huh. Okay. So you can, options. if they drop dead, you can cast cure disease and raise dead and it will bring them back to life after 48 hours and kill the fungal infection at the same time. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. OK. So, you got, I mean, you got options. You got, yeah. 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 You have the powders of hallucination, which is exciting. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's used when uh, hallucinate. Wow, hallucinogens, hallucinatory spores ah. are in short supply due to like the death of four and five head dimycanids because they're the only ones that can cast the hallucinatory spores. Right, mm-hmm. and it's also used as a defensive measure. If the myconids are certain they're going to be attacked, they'll put the powder, like, bundled up and place them on a spider silk film inside mm-hmm. of, like, the entrance to their circle. Oh, oh my god, I love it. creatures the size medium or larger will break the powder free and affect all creatures in a 20-foot radius. <laughs> oh, no. With hallucinatory spores. Oh, oh no. Yes. Oh. Oh, w- would you say that it's a... Tripwire. <laughs> uh, moving on. Boo. Hey, no, that one was good. I'm kind of proud of that one. Okay, you know what? I'll give you props. It's my birthday. Yep, I still give you the boo. <laughs> and then you have the potion of anointment, which this is the special regimen that enables a five hit dying myconid. myconid to grow into the six hit die and become a king. Mm-hmm. The growth is immediate and painful. Oof. Oh, no. And only affects a myconid once. It's poisonous to humans, causing death on a failed saving throw when they drink it. Oh. And there is <laughs> always one potion of anointment in ready a... in the community. Okay. For Emergencies. if the king dies, yeah. they can immediately promote one and get a new king. Yeah, because they kind of need that. Mm-hmm. And at this point, alchemists have found out that the myconid spores can be used to create poisons and potions of delusion. Ooh. Cool. I wonder what would happen if a humanoid drank that, the potion of anointment. They would die. They would die. He just said that. Oh, 
It causes wow. death. Okay, see, I think I was like zoning out thinking about that and didn't hear you say that. Yeah. If a, <laughs> if a human drinks it, it causes death. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's okay. I understand. Like, uh, like I, I, I've been there where he says, yeah. something, I'm like, I wonder what would well, happen. Because and- my, my brain went to the Draculich's brew, which is like a thing like that. And I was like, I wonder what would happen if a human drank that. <laughs> Death. Anyway, sorry. Death happens. Damn it. I was trying to find my fast track to becoming a Mykonid priest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and take a break real quick because there's quite a bit more I have to go through. So this might end up being a bit longer than it's I had initially planned. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. Everyone, I'm sure everyone will be okay with it. With more mushrooms. Yes. Yeah. But when we come back, I found something in Drist Doerden's Guide to the Underdark, Ooh. which we have come across this name so many times. We're going to have to research him at some point. Yeah. I mean, we, we have discussed that like we're going to. It's just going to take a lot of like prep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But... Let's take our break. I can get some more water and uh, <laughs> we will talk about Drist Doerden's guide when we come back. Alrighty. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode on Myconids. Uh, just going to do our ad break really quick because this is a long boy. Time yes. constraint. Woo! <laughs> say this so, like we mentioned in our last episode, we are still running our affiliate partnership with Metallic Dice Games. Um, anywhere from Dice Trace to gem- Gemstone Dice. To General Dice. To General, to dice, general dice. To Folding Dice Towers. Honestly, I haven't looked much into that yet, but they have them. And I will not be surprised if I uh, open up a package from them here soon. <laughs> Ooh. We'll see. Uh, uh, mostly uh, a... A secret Travis package that he has ordered without telling me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want, please check out their website. It is metallicdicegames.com. Pick out what you want. And on checkout, if you enter the code DUNGEONPEDIA, you can get 10% off the entire order. So make sure to look through and get everything you want before using it. Of course, the code can be used multiple times, too. So you can yeah. do that as well. They haven't dropped us yet. They have not. It is... <laughs> MetallicDiceGames.com, use our lovely code DUNGEONPEDIA, get 10% off, and enjoy your new uh, Dice merch. and dice-related accessories. And show us what you bought, also. That's yeah. it. Ta- tag us in it and post it, and I, I want to see it. I yes. also want to see it. Me too. I have a problem. Uh, we also have our Patreon at Dungeonpedia, where you can uh, support us. You can... Uh, uh, you can subscribe to our $5 tier to uh, see all of our notes. And I will say uh, for certain now that we have uh, little tidbits from devils that are going to be going up soon. Yes. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Check that out. With the things coming down, but not quite being sure, we're still on the fence about whether or not we can start recording uh, projectile dysfunction again. But because of the way that we have done things, we do have a backlog that is supposed to start going up soon. We'll let you know. Updates are, are available at Projectile Dysfunction on Twitter. At Projectile Cast. Oh, sorry. At Projectile Cast. Projectile Dysfunction did not fit. <laughs> nope. It was too long. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Dungeonpedia, which did fit. It was not too long. <laughs> um, so you can follow us there for all of our posts and also tag us in anything you buy yeah. so we can see it. Yeah. You can also email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com for episode suggestions, uh, pretty dice pictures, uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, you can subscribe on any platform that you prefer to. 
to get notifications when new episodes get live. Get live. Get, get posted. Live. Get live. Or reanimated. <laughs> uh, on there, you can also rate us and review us. If well, you know, I won't say you can. It's a possibility that yours does let you. But yes. if that's a possibility, we, we would really appreciate it. Yes, we would also really appreciate you guys continuing to help us spread the word. We, I mean, it. You're amazing. Yes, thank you. Alexander Nakarada is also amazing, and he did our theme song, Blacksmith. Yeah. Yeah, good song. And with that, we rush back to the mushrooms. To the mushrooms. To the mushrooms. All right. So. So. Um, real quick, Travis did tell me that we cannot... Uh, we don't have time. We don't have time, so. We, we don't have time for commentary or magic mushroom drug jokes, so we're just going to go. Yeah, I'm going to have to breeze through some of these notes because we are running out of time, so there probably won't be a whole lot of extra commentary here, and I apologize about that. So. Mushrooms. Dristo Erden's Guide to the Underdark. Yes. Which was made for second edition in 1999. There's not a lot about the Myconids, uh, but there was a part that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drist was, you know, the male yeah, drow yeah, yeah. ranger yeah, that who, guy. like, forsook all of his people and became a hero. Yeah. Um, apparently, there is a oasis that is lit by glowing fungus and filled with edible plants, fish, and... A herd of rothe, which are large beasts that resemble, like, musk oxen. Yeah. And this place is called the Oasis of the Stone King. Ooh. Drist actually lived here for a small amount of time with a small community of Myconid. <gasps> Dream. So this place is split into two different parts. You have the lower level, which is a moss-filled bed crossed by a small stream and then the upper level is a grove of towering mushrooms. Nice. Beautiful. Um, <gasps> Blackreach. Moving <laughs> on. Directly in front of the chamber's main entrance, there is a 12-foot tall statue of a Myconid king. Ooh. Except it's not a statue. <gasps> it was a Myconid king that got petrified by the gaze of a basilisk. Holy shit. Oh. That's so cool. And Drist actually wound up killing that basilisk a little later. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. nice. Um, it says the Myconids were wiped out by the spirit wraith Zoknafine soon after Drist left. Aww. Uh, side note, Zoknafine was actually Drist's father. Oh, wow. And layers. was a famed weapons master of the House of Do'Urden. Wow, there's layers. There's there, just layers upon layers. There are so many layers. But that was about it that was listed there. I just thought that the Oasis of the Stone King was kind of cool. No, it yeah. really is. That sounds like a, a place I'd like to hang out. For real. So going into Underdark, 3rd uh, edition from 2003... Myconids are not specifically mentioned by name, but there's a place that was called Eremycos in mm-hmm. the Underdark that was said to house numerous fungal creatures, and most people assume that there was at least some Myconids that lived there. Yeah. Um, Eremycos is actually a huge fungal growth the size of a kingdom, and is a single living creature. Oh! It begins at a depth of one mile under the surface and ends at a depth of three miles. Oh, that's... He's a big boy. Very big. Um, It is thought to be the oldest living thing in Toro, though the gods of Faerun do not speak of it, and any divine divination regarding it will always fail. That's so 
cool. I wish I had more time for commentary. I Whoa. know. That's insane, actually. I'm like, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> um, it's sentience is debatable between a lot of people, but it is at least sentient enough that it will sometimes lash out at intruders. Oh my god. Able to choke them with deadly poisons, dominate them with insidious spores, or attack them with mobile manifestations that resemble various, like, slimes and oozes. Huh. Oh, um, it can also attack psionically. Great, okay. And its psionic powers are unmatched. It pretty much said that any creature that goes into a psionic battle with this thing is a dumbass and is gonna die. Oh my god. Underground psychic mushroom? Yeah. Ah! The fungal colonies actually live inside of its body. Huh. Oh, it's it's a giant peach. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, There's a place called (sighs) (laughs) Fluvanilstra. I love it. Sure. Which is known as the Garden City of the Lower Dark. And uh-huh. the Myconids serve as defenders here. Okay. And okay, cool, I know cool. what a lot of people are thinking. They're defenders. They can't, like, act violently. Of, yeah, that's kind of against So her. how are they the defenders? Well, Myconids make up only about 4% of the population, which is about 9,200. Mm-hmm. And this is where we learn of a different ability that Myconids have Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They spend most of their time in the center of the city, standing in compost and humming quietly. Creepy. Mm-hmm. This they do in order to control Fluvanilstra's most impressive line of defense, mm-hmm. which are lower dark variations of shambling mounds, phantom no. fungi, no. assassin vines, and roper-like plant monsters. Holy shit. Oh my god. Ah. Yeah. So they can basically summon eldritch plant monsters. Not summon. Okay. Control. Control. (laughs) They were already there. The Roper-like plant monsters are the ones that guard the main entrances while the the other ones patrol the city. Mm -hmm. They never bother residents, but will relentlessly attack any other creature that enters the garden city. Holy shit. That's Damn. so cool. Yeah. What so, the fuck? Myconids are powerful, man. Yeah. Uh, Monster Manual 2 for 3rd edition. It actually finally tells us that they do have eyes, which, I mean, we all kind of figured. I mean, those pictures. Yeah. The eyes uh, are in their caps and are also perfectly concealed when they close them. Oh. So, like, if they close their eyes, they're just completely concealed. You, you can't, can't see their see eyes. Me. Uh, oh. It says their hands are now said to have a random number of fingers and thumbs rather than the two and one. Okay. Okay. And occasionally, an individual with more than two arms or legs can pop up. Oh, huh. So, you can have a multi limbed fungal monster walking around. Cool. Sounds good. Cool. For the first four years of their life, they resemble giant toadstools and are completely immobile. Aww. <laughs> After four years of age, they actually, like, grow their limbs and become mobile. Aww. They are listed as usually lawful neutral. Okay. I, I feel like that's the trend in in 3rd edition and 3.5, is to, to maybe change some things from... 
always XYZ to usually XYZ. Because I feel like that kind of expands the possibilities for people a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Gives you the ability to say that the, the society is this way, but the individual may not be. Yeah. I want a chaotic stone or mic in it. Moving on. Jesus. Um, they do still have their spore abilities. There were a few more changes that popped up. Most of them just because of like how the rules changed throughout the editions. You have like the rapport spores that now last 30 to 60 minutes with outsiders, but only eight hours with like other myconids. Instead of it being one solid number, it's different depending. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. Yeah. The pacification spores cause a creature to become passive for one minute. And in 3rd edition, being passive is similar to being dazed, but the target can still take partial actions that don't involve attacking. Okay. okay. So they're not just standing there. They can do partial actions, but they still can't attack. I mean, less OP. Thank you for nerf. Thank you for nerf. (laughs) Uh, Hallucination spores duplicate the effects of a confusion spell for one hour. Hmm. Uh, The spell rolls randomly from 1 to 10 on Mm a d10. One causes them to wander away for one minute. Two to six, they do nothing for one round. Seven to nine, they attack the nearest creature for one round. Or ten, they will act normally for one round. Okay. So for the duration, you just kind of roll each thing. Yeah, yeah, it's gotcha. Uh, the animation spores virtually do the same thing, taking over the body, blah, blah, blah. But the animation now lasts just one D6 weeks. And at the end of it, instead of the body just falling dead, it just disintegrates into dust. Nice. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Instead of just going by the size and hit die, third edition added titles to each level of my <gasps> Yes, they did. Ah. So starting from lowest, you have the junior workers, oh. the average workers, oh. elder workers, guard, the circle leader, and then the sovereign. Which is the king king renamed. Yeah, because I mean... That sounds cooler. Well, for one, yeah, that sounds super fucking cool. And also, like, they're mushrooms. They're mushrooms that reproduce with, like, spores. Yeah. I don't know how much they care about... Titles. Gendered titles. (laughs) Legitimately. Like, let's be real with ourselves. Also, could you imagine, like, be, like... Hi, I'm an average worker. Like, mood, but... Mood, but that just sounds kind of bad. Um, the Sovereigns can now brew potions that mimic various cleric and druid spells. Sort of like, you know, bull strength, cure serious wounds, invisibility to animals. Nice. Yeah, I gotcha. Stuff like that. Um, they are said to know everything there is to know about fungus. So if you need to know in-depth details about fungus, go talk to them. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> Where can I get lobster mushrooms for cheap? They can also mm-hmm. make various items from fungus, but they're mostly only useful for myconids. Or for me and my Animal Crossing time. <clears throat> or that. <laughs> so we have a variant that was introduced in Expedition to Undermountain, which is a third edition uh, adventure module. Right. And it's called the Myconid Venom Spore. For this, they're changed to, well, this variant is changed to being lawful evil, six feet tall with a bright red cap, Ooh. sickly yellow spots, and pale milks. Stock of a body, basically. 
Okay. Okay. You held on. You have madcaps. You held. You held on the word milks for. Yeah, way it was. Too long. I was. My brain was trying to process <laughs> that sentence. Like, Please don't. I don't actually want to hear about mushroom milk. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, the Dang. spore abilities they have. They have distress, reproduction, rapport, but now they have venom spores, which causes creatures to become extremely ill and incapacitates them. Okay. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. And it really just becomes, they become nauseated for 2d4 rounds if they fail their saving throw. Which nauseation is different in 3rd edition, so Mm -hmm. they're kind of incapacitated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it'd be that way. Now, these particular types of myconids, they added a backstory as to how they came about, were the direct result of Halister Blackcloak's death. Uh, House of Black Cloak was a powerful mage that lived in the Undermountain. Okay, gotcha. Uh, when he Damn died, mages. his body was incinerated, and his soul was ripped into hundreds of fragments. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what the module is based around, is like, figuring out what happened and I think finding, like, the soul fragments. Okay, okay. fair But fair. when he died, it released a wave of powerful magic that warped some of the myconids into these venom spore versions. Okay. Okay. Was and he like a, a bad guy? Or was he, he doesn't just... sound like a good guy. Yeah. Well, he kind of was a good guy. I didn't look a whole lot into him, but he was kind of a good guy. Yeah. He was at the very least you a know, neutral guy. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking mages. <laughs> Fucking shit up. Yeah. I, I, like, I mean, not even doing experiments intentionally, but he's still fucked. Because he anyway. actually wound up dying when he was trying to cast a certain spell, I think, for like protection of the Undermountain, but the spell went wrong and it exploded and incinerated him, basically. Oh, Oh, that sucks. But these things weigh as much as 300 fucking pounds, though. (sighs) That's a lot of... That's a dense mushroom. That's a dense mush. And now, unfortunately... Oh, no! No! I come to the part that I dreaded the most. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. We all knew it was coming. And I mean, we can skip this as a time saver, right? No. Okay. Unfortunately, we can't. Because I, I have to show my displeasure in this. Uh-huh. In Monster Manual 2 for 4th edition, uh-huh. they changed oh, everything. No. <laughs> Completely changed everything for Myconids. He has his hands on his head. <laughs> so now they are said to be insidious fungal menaces from no! the Feywild Caverns that polluted the Fomorians. No! What? Or, I'm sorry, polluted by the Fomorians. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, they're fungal menaces that came from the Feywilds and now live in the Underdark. I mean, okay, fair. You know, unlike Feywild Myconids, I feel like that could be a fun idea. Like, that could be fun. Yeah, but... Not... They're not menace. Someone on the 4th edition writing staff doesn't like mushrooms and they feel the need to be a butthole about it yes mushrooms are delicious they also strive only to spread across their territories contaminating those places with their presence like they criticize humanoids for yes but they took that that was the myconoid criticism of humanoids and and then applied that oh my god they are unaligned no not Um, they strive to expand their territory and numbers, no. <sighs> even though they are also written as not necessarily evil. Well, and also, like, the, the whole contrast with, like, their... Whatever, whatever. 
Okay. Fourth edition, yeah. you try to you try too hard. Fourth edition, you try so hard. They are from the Feywild, but okay. prefer the Underdark and the Shadow Dark to their like home plane. Well, but <sighs> okay. Also, right, right, other right, races right, right. can now grow them, and they cultivate them for cheap labor or to enslave them. That's okay. Drow, Fomorians, and Shadarkai command Myconids in great numbers, apparently. Stupid. Okay. All right. All right. Stupid. Um, they don't appear to really have any of the same spore abilities that they had before, I think, except for one sort of similar thing. All Myconids, except for the Sovereign, communicate with each other by releasing spores that convey raw emotions. Such as like fear, satisfaction, desire, whatever. I mean, Instead hey, of communicating okay. telepathically. I mean, like that could be interesting. That could be interesting, but and that whatever. Okay, all right. You you lose points for everything else. Yeah. Um. A community sovereign is the only one that can communicate with other types of creatures using telepathy. Now that one's stupid. That's that is stupid. And there are three types: mm-hmm. the rot priest, okay. sovereign, and guard. Okay, rot, rot Priest is a cool title, but... I will give you Rock Priest is cool. Yeah, it is. Cool. It is a cool title. Well, and... Mm-hmm. Yep. The Rot Priest is a healer, having the ability to heal 10 hit points to a living creature. Um, they have the ability to either split damage they take to another ally within five feet of it, or to flat out take all of the damage for an ally... Okay. That's pretty cool. Fun. Um, side note on that, all the other variants have that ability too. Oh, great. Okay. All yeah. Right, Less right, cool. Right, right, right. Um, they all have right. regeneration of five hit points per round, and they use a quarterstaff as a weapon. Okay. Fun. I like that. Yeah. I yeah. do like that. Sovereigns are, you know, still the leaders. Okay. They have a spore burst that affects targets within a close blast radius that deals 1d8 plus 3 poison and dazes the target until the end of the Sovereign's next turn. Okay. So, sort of similar to yeah, their but, spore effects before. Uh, sort yeah, of. but not, so, not as... Mm, yeah. Cool. Mm. Um, they can command one plant within five feet to shift a square. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Uh, that also includes the other myconids. Okay. So they can kind of just they're control not, their not, pawns, basically. They're not plants, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, they also have the ability to split the damage or take the... Da- well, no, actually, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. They only have the ability to split damage between itself and another ally. They can't take it. <clears throat> they can't take it. Gotcha. But they can split it, so instead of, like, taking ten, they would take five, five the other five. would take five. Yeah, fair. Uh, guards, which are literally just guards, they're the protectors of the colony. Frontline mm. infantry. They have the pacification spore ability. Okay, Which right. causes the target to not be able to take a standard action until the end of the guard's next turn. Okay. But okay. can still take other actions. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's per fourth edition, it sounds like none of these are... Are, are created or, or framed in a way that makes a difference in these creatures, like, actual, like, society and things like that. It's, it's literally just, just for combat. Yeah, I know. It's just for combat. Which I... Oh. I, and, and that they, is the... No, 
Never mind, I'm going to yeah. get on a rant. Yeah, we're going to... I'm just pointing that out. They also possess the ability to split the damage. So, so cool. the Road Priest is the only one that can take the damage, but everyone else can split the damage. Yeah, because okay. you want your healer to take damage. <laughs> oh my god, okay. They can heal themselves and they regenerate. I mean, so. that's fair. They're they're kind of a healing tank. Okay. Yeah, they're just, just a damage I'm sponge. just being bitchy at this point. <laughs> like, don't don't get me wrong. There's a ton to hate here. I will give them a pass on the Rock Priest. That's cool. That's that's what I want my future job title to be. And thankfully, and also not thankfully, I guess, that's kind of all the information that they put forth in 4th edition for these Myconids. Per 4th edition. Yeah. For anything that isn't a dragon. Not a whole lot of expanded nonsense, thankfully. So, now we're <sighs> going to get to Monster Manual of 5th edition. Yay! Um, they are back to being intelligent fungi that seek enlightenment and deploy violence instead of what 4th edition made them. Good, good. Thank God. Um, if approached peacefully, it actually says that the Myconids will now gladly provide shelter or Aww. allow safe passage through their colonies. Good. Nice. Sovereigns preside over now not just one, but they can preside over more than one circle. Mm-hmm. Nice. Circles consist of 20 or more Myconids, so their numbers are a bit... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or can be a bit higher, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Um, myconids can use their rapport spores to talk telepathically with other sentient creatures, so all myconids can do it now. Cool. cool. They've reverted back to that, with thankfully, it. to, you know, their original use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's specified that a creature that was never flesh and blood, like a construct or an elemental, cannot be turned into a spore servant from the animation spores. Okay. Okay. I don't know if that was ever, like, a issue that people ran into in their games from, like, the older editions, because it never specified you couldn't turn a construct mm-hmm. into a servant, but now they specified you cannot. I mean, okay. that makes sense. Yeah, <clears throat> I got it. Like, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. The Spore's abilities are a bit different in this edition. Um, again, trending with the changing of how certain things work. Mm-hmm. The stress spores are now just a passive ability that all Myconids possess. And when they take damage, all other Myconid within tw- wow, within 240 feet of it can like sense its pain. Mm-hmm. So it's like a telepathic link now instead of like a, an actual spore cloud. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. The rapport spores are a 10 foot radius. Uh, they can go around corners and only affects creatures with an intelligence of two or higher. And they can communicate telepathically while they are within 30 feet of each other. And it lasts for one hour. Just yeah, all okay. around. <clears throat> gotcha. Pacifying spores uh, can now be shot at like one single creature within five feet. And then it's a failed constitution throw. They are stunned for one minute. Rather than like a, just a cloud. Yeah, it's now like a single target okay. thing. I'm with it. Um, they can also, like with many other spells, repeat the save at the end of their turn to end mm-hmm. the effect. Yeah, yeah. Hallucination spores kind of got changed to the same. It's one creature within five feet, and on a failed save, they're poisoned for one minute. While poisoned, the creature is incapacitated while it hallucinates <laughs> and can also attempt to end it at the end of each round. Right. I mean- but they'll be hallucinating and incapacitated until they do. 
I mean, they didn't explicitly say it was like violent or bad hallucinations. No, so. this one had just said that they are incapacitated while they hallucinate. So it could be good hallucinations. The, yeah. It could be up to the mic and it. Yeah, exactly. So like, hey, Dave, <laughs> hit me. <laughs> hit me with those spores. Uh, they're animated spores. The corpse now rises after 24 hours. Okay. As a servant and stays animated for 1D4 weeks. Okay. Yeah, small variations. In yeah. Um, this one, it the corpse will just fall dead after that time. And the corpse can't be reanimated by the spores again. Okay. Um, thankfully, they're back to their original lawful neutral alignment. Thank God. Yes. And we have a explanation to their fear of the sun. Ooh, yes. Okay. Okay. They have a passive... It's not an ability, it's just a passive Trait. effect. Trait, yeah. there we go. Uh, which is called sunsickness, <gasps> mm-hmm. which gives them disadvantage on ability checks, saving throws, and attack rolls while in direct sunlight. And if they spend more than one hour in direct sunlight, they die. Oh, okay. Rip. So we were kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, in the the first part of that, I feel, <clears throat> is exactly how it is, like, for drow. Now, yeah. drow don't die in the sunlight, but... They just have... Disadvantage, disadvantage on their checks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's only three level of myconids now. They condensed it down to three instead of like six. Yeah. Um, each now ranging from small, medium, and large in size. Mm-hmm. Okay. Going in order, you have the sprout. Oh. Which can use the rapport spores. Adult, which can use the pacifying and rapport spores. And then sovereign, which can use all four. Yeah. Types. Okay. <clears throat> Such a cute word, sprout. It is. I love Sprouts it. Sprouts and I juniors. Do like it. While they no longer have the poisonous bodies, it says that all of their melee attacks do extra poison damage. Okay. So you can touch a myconid without getting poisoned, but if they attack you, you're going to get poisoned. You're going to get poisoned. There's a special selection of people in the world that were very happy with that change. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'm just pointing that out. And naturally, the damage increases when you go from, like, a sprout to an adult to, to a, a sovereign. sovereign. Right. But. Yeah. And this was, this was just the thing that I noticed. Despite how strong they sound, their challenge rating is actually quite low, with a challenge rating of two being the highest for the sovereign. That's Damn. not very. Putting that in perspective, I think if I did the math right, if I were to throw, like, our, our our projectile dysfunction group into a myconid fight, in order to make it deadly, like the deadly rating, it would be like one sovereign, three or four adults, and then like six sprouts. Wow. Damn. Something similar to that would make it technically considered deadly for that's, your group. Yeah, that's not very No. Now, of course, that's not like taking into the account of like the spore abilities. But you really only have to worry about the hallucination and pacifying spores, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, because those are the other ones are kind of just for, for them. For them. Yeah. Yeah. So even then, I would still say that a deadly encounter would be at the most like the one sovereign, and you could probably throw in like five or six adults to make it deadly. Yeah. But it's they're really not that high of a challenge rating like i initially thought and then i looked at their rating and i was like oh for for clarification the maximum challenge rating i can get which i like as a druid to wild shape shape, is one 
And like that is very, very low um, because mm-hmm. there's a specific subclass that specializes in wild shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me actually pull up <laughs> one of the. I'm literally Googling like. Yeah, let me pull up one of the CR1. Um, a brown bear, <laughs> uh, a lion, a giant spider. Okay. Um, these That's like the challenge rating of wormling, of a number of wormlings, giant constrictor snake, gelatinous cube, uh, polar bear, uh, plesiosaurus, a swarm of poisonous snakes, um, a will-o'-wisp, a, a rhinoceros. <laughs> I'm, I'm really just I'm really a, a mimic, just a standard, a giant toad, a, just a standard mimic, um, a gargoyle. Yeah. Now that being said, the explanation that I can logically think of for this is they're not a violent race, so and that's they're fair. not adept to combat. Yeah, I it's guess. Just by like reading it, I was like, oh, these are probably like a high, at least in like the teens of mm, a challenge rating. Nope. nope. Apparently not. I I don't know if I agree with that decision personally. I mean, I will say at first I was on your side until he mentioned what he said about them not being a violent race. They're yeah. better at like probably they're probably a lot better at like getting you unconscious and fleeing. Yeah, yeah. Because that's more or less what they rely on. Because they're still not going to kill you even if, if they, they could. Yeah, if they can help it, they're not going to kill you. They're just going to try to incapacitate you and either running or getting you away. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? That's that's fair. Maybe still not a two, though. (laughs) Uh, I mean... uh, I mean, we can agree to disagree. Yeah, I mean, maybe like a three. Yeah. uh, You know what? I'm willing to agree to that. You just didn't like it being a two. (laughs) Yeah, I just like the number three better. Yeah, you know what? Okay, all right. Yeah, it's because I mean, believe it or not, fourth edition, there are like aspects of Dungeons and Dragons that don't necessarily have to do with combat. So, <laughs> and the uh, so that's fair. The sovereigns like max HP taking from what they have is eight d ten, so eighty plus sixteen, so ninety six mm-hmm. is their max HP. So they are like beefy. It's just as far as like damaging you goes, it's like not really that high. Yeah. Okay. Like their yeah. Their fist is their only weapon and its damage is 3d4 plus 1. Yeah. Plus 3d4 poison damage. And everyone knows you can't have uh, a lot of HP and high damage output. Oh wait. <laughs> I'm sorry. Drella. I'm sorry. <laughs> but other than that, that is all I have on my uh, connections. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, they they're amazing. I I, I want to go live in a commune of my connections. It it's and worship their god whose name I forgot. <laughs> it was it's a uh, great that's a great start in my new silver. religion. Yeah. Thank you. It's it was a fun thing to research, honestly. I enjoyed it. Mushroom people. Mushroom people. Meeple. Oh. Meeple. 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 Um, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. Don't forget to follow us, you know, on all of our various social yeah. media platforms. And again, sorry that after the break we kind of had to speed to, through to, some to of that. It, it happens. It, it, it's okay. Time I restrictions mean, are a thing sometimes, and I yeah. got a little carried away with research. Yeah. <laughs> he was enjoying it, honestly. You know, I mean, that's 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 good. Yeah. You know, we, 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 you love to see it. You do. Um, you know, spread the word to your friends who like mushrooms. If you have any topics that you want to want to suggest to us, uh, or anything you want to talk about, uh, feel free to reach out to us on to 
dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. And uh, thank you once again for listening to this episode, and we will catch you next week here on Dungeonpedia. You know what I'm proud of, guys? What? There was only like two Avatar The Last Airbender references in that episode. Oh, that's progress. That is progress. I'm surprised, especially with the whole friendly mushroom thing. Yeah, well, this is progress, guys. Mushy giant friend. Friendly mushroom. <laughs>